Welcome again, Touch Heaven. This is going to be very short. I know you're going to say, oh yeah, we've heard that before, but I already gave you the foundation of it while we were uh, ministering, so I can skip all of that and, uh, and get to some of the rest of the meat on the bones. Let's pray again. Father, we just thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this house, and we thank you that you are in us. Now we ask you, Lord, to just pull it all together as a symphony, a symphony of praise, prayer, worship, and word. It was only you can do, Lord, that we might continue on this journey of new creation, even this morning, being transformed from a glory to a glory. We bless you in that, in Jesus' name. Welcome to all of you here again. Some of our friends we haven't seen in a while. Good to see you. Welcome back. Those online, wherever you're at, bless you. And those who join afterwards, bless you. We thank you. We, 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 uh, we, we seriously love you very much. It's just that we can't see you most of the time. But we love you anyway. And uh, we want to send to the four corners of the earth our love, our greetings. And may the Holy Spirit move upon you even as he's moved in this house. And may this real brief word be something that has some strong teeth in it for you. The book of the Acts is, as you probably know, an extension of Luke, correct? Luke wrote it. And in the Gospels, in his Gospel of Luke, he was dealing with Jesus on earth. But in the book of Acts, starting right at the beginning, in verse 2, he says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, right, after his resurrection, by many infallible proofs being seen of them, how many days? Forty days. Forty days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, now let's, let's sink into verse 4, please. This is our teaching. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Why? Because, again, as I was saying to you, this was the Feast of Harvest, or the, as they would have said at that time. And as Shavuot, and all of the practicing Jews that could would come up to Jerusalem, and it says for many nations, and typically after that feast, they would depart and go. But he was telling them, don't leave. And that's where the word says comes, tarry, tarry, tarry in this place, tarry in Jerusalem, don't be in a hurry to leave, because I'm commanding you, something's about to happen. And in that instance, he goes on and he says, but wait, and these are the words in red, if you happen to have a, a Jesus Bible that keeps the gospel in red. But wait, but wait for the promise. Which promise? The promise of the Father. Which, said he, you've heard of me. Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Now, for me, in this beginning, this treatise of Acts, we get a real insight, a real revelation into what happens and what are some of the steps we take to be able to move in the power of God. Now, I want you to grasp this, and I'm going to end with this also, but Christian faith is based on what? God's promises. Yes, you could say the word and get very holy and 
want to go into all kind of things, but how about we just boil it down to God's promises? Now, most of you probably know and have heard already, there's not really a consensus on how many promises of God are in Scripture. Some have said 3,000, some have said 7,000, some have said 10,000. But I can tell you this, that it's all the promises you need. It's every promise that you need to have an abundant life of victory here on the earth today. Now, how many of you would like to know that when you pray and that when you seek God, that he hears you? How many of you know that if you seek God and put a demand on his promises, that not only does he hear you, but that you activate him, that he wants to answer you? If you will, if you pray according to his will, is there a greater will than the pure truth word of God? It is truth. It's the only thing that's true that we know about. Everything else is, infa- is fallible, but this is the infallible word of God. And we can build upon it. It's a foundation. It's many promises. Well, Jesus is telling them, his disciples, these 120 that have been pulled together, he says, wait for the promise of the Father. Christian faith, our faith, should be and is based upon the promises of God. Not on feelings. Not on feelings. And not on man's dogma. And not upon what theologians interpret things to be. It's based upon the promises of God. And, you know, the old, old hymn, standing on the promises, right? Standing on the promises of God, you can never go wrong. And we could sit here until the sun comes up and goes down for the whole next year and continue to talk about all of the promises of God that are alive for you and activated by you. Great faith, great faith can be achieved. And it doesn't have to be achieved because you've somehow experienced a lot more or you've made some practical moments in your life. Great faith can be achieved by three simple things. One is obedience. If you're obedient to God, if you obey God in the areas of your life, and if you strive to stay in obedience to God, then you've just passed the first gate under the promises of God being released in your life. Obedience, the word says, is better than sacrifice. And that is a changing mind, isn't it, to religion. Religion is always inviting us to sacrifice something, give up something else, go a different way. But obedience, obedience is obeying the word of God and the command of God. Now, those of us who have received the Holy Spirit of God, we have a super conscience. We have a guiding light. We have a comforter. We have a helper. We have the wisdom in the mind of Christ. And so when we're not sure what is obedience to God, we take what Jesus said, wait, wait, wait upon the promise. Now, you know, some things are very clear, right? Uh, We're not living in the gray zone. We understand sin. We know sin. And the Holy Spirit will show us sin in a moment and convict us of sin, and we need to get rid of it as fast as you would a splinter that's, that's, that's aching and you can't sleep in your hand. You need to pull it out and get rid of it. You need to bury sin. And we know through 1 John 1, 9, God has given us an antidote to that. And that antidote is to confess our sin before him, and he is just. 
and able to forgive us, isn't he? God is all about forgiveness and deliverance. So we can be obedient. You can be obedient. You have everything you need to be obedient in the word of God, but you have a separate and a a better power called the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter. He's your helper. He's your wisdom. Jesus himself said multiple times in the scripture, I must go, but I will send you one who is going to be greater than me in what he can do in ministry here on earth for you, for you, the Holy Spirit. And so obedience is one of our steps. Our next step is what? It's faith, believing God, believing the promises of God. I wish I had time to go through all of the different levels of faith. Maybe we'll do that another time. I can't promise you next week because the Lord always moves and changes things, and I don't get the benefit of looking forward seven days too often. So in this instance, what I can say to you is there are many levels of faith, and, and, and faith, faith, the key to faith, listen to this a moment, if we don't go to anything else, the key to faith is that you base it upon the promises of God. Let it sink in a moment. The key to faith You say, Pastor, how do I grow in faith? How do I have unwavering faith? How do I have a faith that gets stronger? How do I have a faith that can move something? Because you believe in the promises of God. And I challenge you this. For anything that you have a need of, anything that you want to go before God with, match it up in the Scripture with one of His promises and begin to declare and pray that into your faith. Watch what happens. Health health. That's an easy thing for us, man. When someone's going through a problem with health or a loved one is, we can get on those knees really quick, can't we? And we can begin to believe God for that prayer of faith that heals that James talked about. Go to the elders and let them anoint you and lay on their hands and pray the prayer of faith over you, the prayer of healing over you. But the same thing for chaos in your life. The same thing for addictive personalities and problems. How often do you have to pray it? As long as you need it. As long as you need it. Now, let me balance that about. You know, in my life, I've come to the place for quite a long time now where I'm not begging God for things. I'm not. Because I take him in his promise. Jesus unleashed a key to being able to have a victorious life and an abundant life here on earth. And that was very simple, right? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will what? Say it loud. Or supply all your needs if you want to interpolate another scripture according to his rich blessings from glory, Right? God will supply everything that you need if you seek the kingdom of God. So for me, my walk, my obedience is to seek the kingdom of God in every facet of my life. And I know when I'm getting off the rail. I know when it becomes a frank thing and it's not a kingdom thing. And I pray this all the time when I don't know how I ought to pray. Lord, slap me top side of my head if I begin to go to the right or the left. Just give me a good one right across the top of my head. Let me not be able to miss you in it. Stop me cold. And he has a way of doing things with me. I, I don't know about you, but, but we sort of understand each other. There's one thing he does 
to me that I'm not going to brag about too much because I don't want it to be counterfeited by the enemy, but he gets my attention real quick. And yours too, if you pay attention. We stay obedient to God, and we have faith in the promises of God. It's, you know, every other book, holy book, so-called holy book, right? Every other edict, every other theology, every other religion, every other humanism, it always has other ways, other things. There's really not promises in there. You know, I was talking to a man on, on an airplane coming in Friday night. He's a baby Christian by his own regard. In fact, I, you could Google him. He's one of the pool kings. He, he's one of those guys on reality TV that talks about how to make a pool. And God transplanted him from uh, Orange County, California to Ravenna, and he's got a horse farm now. And he's still building pools, so he's going back and forth building pools. And he was sharing with me how he believed up until he was saved that karma was the way for his life. Well, coming from Southern California, I could see how that could creep upon you pretty quick. Karma was the way for his life. You know, if you're giving out good, good comes back. So give out more good so the good will come back to you. And I said, well, how was that doing for you? And he said, you know, I made money, and I even had success, but I never had joy. I never had joy. I said, right, so you got karma, you got some returns, but without joy. How many of you know some of the most miserable people I have ever met in my life are the wealthiest people I've met in my life? How many of you know that? I mean, families falling apart, fighting over billions of dollars when what's wrong with a couple million, huh? Fighting over who's going to get what before, I was going to say another word, that poor soul is gone. They're already causing a disruption in the family. Or just too much money gives too much leisure time, and we know what happens with leisure time, doesn't it? And so we understand that the joy comes through the promises of God. He'll give us new every morning. He'll renew us every day. And as the sun comes up, that promise of joy comes to our hearts and our lives if only we'll practice joy, right? It depends what do you see in the morning. Do you see rain or do you see sunshine? Do you see hope or do you see just another drudgery day? Do you go to bed weary and wake up weary or you go to bed with the expectation that you're going to wake up revived and new in the Lord? Amen? And so, obedience and faith in the promises of God. But then comes this one, and this is what Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. We need to learn patience on the promises of God, and we do that with waiting. But here's the good news about the Holy Spirit. The Lord promises he will never give you more than what you can handle. So he may be stretching us, you and me some. He may get us out of our comfort zone some, but there's a good reason for it. How many of you have stayed too long in the place you were supposed to leave? Huh? I'm the, a few of you. The rest of you all been perfect all your lives. You've been right where you're supposed to be. You never got the boot. You never. Let me tell you something. Staying too long in the kingdom of God where you're not supposed to be 
does not raise a nice perfume to the Lord, it begins to stink like fish. That's a day old, two days old. How many of you would love to have a seven-day-old fish? I'll make sure I'll get you one and give it to you. How many of you would fry it and eat it and pretend it was okay? You wouldn't want to touch it, would you? If you knew it was that old, you'd say, you know what, I'd rather be hungry, wouldn't you? And I'm coming from a fresh experience. You know, I'm a little cheap at times. And so somebody who wanted to do business uh, took myself and my friend Frank. We went to dinner out in uh, Dallas two nights, three nights ago. And uh, he ordered a whole bunch of stuff. You know, we had a bunch of stuff for the table. Great big shrimp out of this big, this big. And there was enough for me to have four of them, four of them this big with cocktail sauce. I mean, now you want to get me delighted and happy? How about you all getting a little hungry, aren't you? That was like, that's good for me. And even though, you know, coming out of my Jewish roots, we're not supposed to eat shrimp, right? But who cares? Shrimp with cocktail sauce is good. And a little bit of hot, it kills everything. Well, because we were talking, and because my mind was on witnessing, and two of these guys were getting very passionate about understanding the things of God. One was from Iran, the other one was almost Iran. He was from Massachusetts. You may as well be from Iran. I'm sorry. And, and, uh, and so I, I got the first one, and I took a bite, and I said, mm, let me, I put it in some more cocktail sauce, just slobbered it in cocktail sauce. It was even on my fingers. Took it up, I ate it. And then when I was done eating it, I picked up the next one and smelled it. I said, ooh, this is like salty, this isn't good. And just as the guy next to me was sticking it in his mouth, I said, don't do it. He said, what? I said, don't eat it. He goes, you just did. I said, yeah, and I'm telling you not to. I said, there's something wrong with that. And he had to taste it to find out. He goes, oh, yeah. And the one across the table smelled it. Oh, yeah. And so we called the guy over, and I said, please remove these. There's something wrong with them. And he looked, and he smelled it, and he took it to the chef. And then afterwards, I do my little joke. I give him my phone. I said, go get a picture of the chef for me, will you please? Because if we're having a problem in the middle of the night, I want to know who that guy is. And uh, I said, what did the chef do with him? He said he threw out the whole order. He said, because apparently they must have got old in the truck before they delivered it. Age-old comfort can fool you. When it's time to move, it's time to move. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. Amen. When God says, do this, you better do it. When God says, change this, you better change it. Now, I'm not telling you to just do an about face. Sometimes we do a 180, sometimes we don't. But then we wait on the Lord, say, okay, Lord, I'm willing. Here I am. How many of you just this year have had some major changes in your life, in your business, in your income, in your families? Put your hands up high and look around. Look, look, it's almost everybody here. It's almost everybody here. Keep your hands up. Keep the two Jews in the back. Put your hands up because I already know you're going through change. Yeah. Put your hands up. Yeah. Yeah. Larry says his shoulder hurts. There it is. Yeah. Hey, that's a good thing because a faith moves to a faith. And to grab the promises of God, you can't stay in last year's promise of God without it becoming a stronger and better promise of God. You build upon the promises of God. 
And every promise of God in Scripture was built upon by an experience with somebody or something. And you get the benefit of that if you accept those, and you don't have to experience all of that. Now, if there are, let's say, 10,000 promises of God, how would you like to experience failure in each one of those in order to understand the truth? You don't have to, because it's been given to you as the Holy Word of God, as, as truth. And it's been amplified to us by the Holy Spirit. Obedience, faith, patience, wait. Upon what? Upon the promise. The promise of who? The Father. The Father. Remember the Son said, the Son said, Jesus Christ said this. He said, I do nothing of myself, and I say to you what I've heard of the Father. The Father schooled the Son very well. The Father schooled the Son. We don't know how all of that happened, but we know one thing, Jesus was obedient to the cross. We know another thing, he declared the words of the Father. We know another thing, he had faith to believe that he would raise again. We know another thing, he waited, waited, waited on his ministry, waited to the cross, waited for his dissension, waited for his resurrection, waited for his ascension. He taught us to wait. He taught us to wait and to see the promises of God. And, by the way, he said, you've heard of these things from me as well. Finally this. Verse 7. Well, let's just go through verse 6. Acts 1. When they therefore were come together, this was after he told them to assemble and come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? How many of you know that when we receive something from the Lord, we think that what he's telling us must be exactly what we are expecting instead of what he wants to give us. Right? Now, it, you could understand they were all excited. Hosanna, Hosanna, he's our king. He's coming into Israel. This is the Messiah. He's going to overcome Roman conquerors. He's going to deliver us. He's going to release us. And then he got killed. And then the earth mourned and went dark and then there was that suspicious resurrection that not everybody saw, and then some saw him walking on the earth, but those who saw him got excited because they said, now he's invulnerable. This is the king. He's going to restore Israel. That's what he's come for. But God had a much greater mission for all of them, and Jesus had a much greater mission. God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Does he love Israel? Yeah, but he loves the whole world just as much. And the blessings of Abraham that flow upon you are the same blessings that, flew, that flow upon those of the sons of Abraham that come from the race of Abraham. And when you have that anointing of the blessing upon you, those who bless you get blessed, those who curse you get cursed. If you're walking with that anointing upon you by the Holy Spirit, you have the authority just by whom you are for people to be blessed or cursed. I can tell you in my life, I've seen multiple times when people have cursed me, I've prayed for mercy for them, and most of them aren't alive today. They're not alive today because they've touched my mantle. They've gone against my calling. They've tried to quench what God called me to do. You don't want to do that in each other or to anybody else. But you walk with a blessing so that when somebody blesses you, 
They may think about karma, but what I'm telling you about is they received the blessing of Abraham because they blessed you. That's who you are. That's what you walk with, the promises of God. So they were saying, is this what you've come for to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is that going to answer now? But Jesus, you know, he was in an eternal mindset. I mean, after all, he had just suffered for sin. The sins of every human being stretched through eternity, condensed into those three days in time, sopped up by his soul. His soul was made sin that had never sinned. It wasn't just a category. It wasn't just a symbol. It was your sin, my sin, the real sins. He had just done all of that through time and purged it all through his blood. So he looks at them and he says, verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put, underlined, in his own power. I know it's interpreted authority in front of you, but the word translated means power. Yes, with the power comes the authority, authorized sovereign power. Now, what's the correlation? Here's the correlation. Wait, wait upon that which the power of the Father is going to do. Guess where it's at for you? It's in the power of the Father right now. Shake your head a little bit. Look at your neighbor. Say, wake up. Grasp this revelation. Wait upon the power of the Father. The promise of the power of the Father All of his promises for you are already in the Father. Can you wait? Can you be obedient? Can you have faith? Can you faith and believe? He said, don't try to put a time of the season on it. That's unto the Father. But if you wait, and if you believe, and if you hold on, it could be an hour, it could be a day, it could be right to the last minute. The promise is in the Father. That is the mystery of Pentecost through the words of Jesus Christ to us. Your faith is in the promise of the Word of God in the Father. In the Father. If you stand on that promise, if you stand on that promise that you're a child of God, you're an heir of all the promises of God for the kingdom, if you believe it, now there's a little cherry on the cake. If two or more shall come together and agree here on earth, it shall be done in heaven. What's that mean? That promise that's already buried (laughs) in the power of the Father will get released when two or more of you agree here on earth. Wow, Jesus told 120 of them to wait. And for some reason, Luke was totally amazed that in the midst of all of this regalia that had gone on, in the midst of the fact that this Jesus who was there suddenly disappeared, the mocking that had to be going on, the persecution that had to be going on, how about the satanic power that was fighting against them? Have you ever had to fight for something in God and felt the evil? Can you imagine the evil that was pounding at that upper room? Even the devil didn't know what was about to happen, but all he knows is Jesus said to wait, and the best thing he could have done was get them to come out of waiting. 
Best thing he could do is to get you off your power, get you off the promise, get you off the word. They waited in unity, 120 of them in unity. This morning, 17 of you came together in the back room in unity. One purpose, and it manifested here. We felt it here. Sonny, we were rehearsing, and Sonny already said, Woo, he started doing this. He said, I'm feeling something. His legs were wobbling a little bit. I said, Sonny, you got to stay with us, son. We need you. You could fall down later and go home and whatever you want to do, but right now you need to play. Unity, prayer of agreement. It's a cherry on the cake. If you stand on the promise of God, amen. Well, that's it. A little longer than I wanted, but I still cut it pretty short because I could tell you I got a whole bunch of pages here. Lots of different faith, beloved. Lots of different faith. Maybe we will touch on them. But this I can tell you. If you could hold on to unwavering faith, if you could just believe God for His promises that He's given you, I believe you'll see victory. Sometimes it won't come the way you're looking for it. Because maybe the way you were looking for it wasn't God's best, best plan for you. It was your best plan for you. God's best plan for you is worth waiting for. And also, when the moment comes, celebrate. Celebrate the moment and get ready for the next one. Because all of your blessings, everything that he has, are already embedded in the power of the Father. Those are your promises. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to take an offering, and if you want an envelope, please just put your hand up. I want to get the, the kids on the way to wherever they're headed to, to a resort. The kids are going to a resort. Man. I think I'm going to... How many of you watched uh, some of the Queen last night? The Queen's Regalia, whatever that was. I don't know what it was. I only saw the beginning and, and, and something, and I know they had some animal that was snatching her tea. And, and then uh, the queen said she had a marmalade sandwich in her purse. They're going to swim at a resort, and I'm going to get a marmalade sandwich. But that's okay. It's good. I like marmalade. I don't know about marmalade. I'd rather have a salami sandwich, but that's okay. My wife's going, like, just turn it back in, Frank. Turn it back in. According to the Lord, Isaac needed an experience in order to sow unto God. Read it in the scriptures. He hadn't sown unto the Lord because he was waiting for God to do something first. But once he did, it says the Lord blessed him and continued to bless him. Isaac didn't have the revelation of the blessing of giving unto God until after, after. He could have cut the time short. He could have had the blessings come faster. He may not have had to lie about Rebekah. Remember he lied about Rebekah? just like his daddy before him. And he said it was his sister because she was fine. She was beholding to look at it, says. So he had to get through that. Don't do that to yourself. Learn the joy of giving unto the Lord. Let me tell you something. That is standing on the promise of God in faith. Watch what he'll do for you. You online, you here. And you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I just, I've heard too much of that. Well, you might have heard some of it wrong. 
it doesn't mean it's not right. Right? The blessing is in giving unto God. He promises that he will return it unto you tenfold, a hundredfold. And by the way, the promises to Isaac were a hundredfold that year. <laughs> that year. That year. How many of you can believe God that he could bless you according to his promise a hundredfold this year? Amen. Well, you got to act. Got to do something. You got to do something. You got to meet God in his promise. Amen. If you're online and you'd like to give, it's www.touchheaven.com. You could give by text, 330-845-6005. By mail, mailing it to the church. It's uh, 10 Skyline Drive. And do remember us when you go on Amazon. Go to smile.amazon.com. Bless Touch Heaven. We get a little bit, and uh, that's all good. That's, Amazon's got too much anyway. They need to give us a little bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this offering. We ask you to bless it, Lord God. We thank you to bless those who could give and couldn't give equally here and wherever they are. We thank you, Father, not only for a return, a financial return, but more so, Father, even for a rich life, an abundant life, the blessings of God oozing and flowing upon your people in every facet of their lives in what we do. Be glorified, O oh Lord. Let us be good stewards. And thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for how you're blessing our people, blessing us, blessing this ministry, blessing this church. Father, we have a big vision, and only you can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. And I prayed for this one that's on the stage right here, too. I bless. I almost put my foot right on that one, and, like I'm putting the seed down in the ground. Well, it's been good to be with you. If you can, get here on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Um, how many of you that were here uh, this morning for the prayer, how many of you would say that you received more than you probably gave? That, it, that, that you were, huh? I see some hands going up. How many of you slept in there and you don't know what happened? Right, okay. One of you was honest. Well, that's okay. You know, uh, I always say, if you need a good rest, come on in the church of God. We'll give you a good rest. You go out and have a nice day. I want to thank you for being here. God bless you. Uh, have a wonderful week in Jesus Christ. Practice something. Take out a couple promises of God. Do a little Bible study. Just, you know, put it in a concordance, concordance, put it in a Google. Do it however you want to get there. Pick three promises of God that you want to believe them for. Write them down. Begin to declare and pray them. Hold on to them in faith and don't let go. See what happens. See what happens. Bring back a good report. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his glory be above you, beneath you, and all around you and in you. May you and your seed and the seed of your seed be righteously blessed in all things. And may you have long and good health and prosper in him. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thank you for being here.